0: Welcome back to another season of the Lions College Football Podcast. I'm Brett Gibbons with the Lions.com, and I am joined this year by Kelly Ford. Kelly, thanks for joining me.
1: What's going on? How are you? I'm doing great, Brett. We've done what? How many previews? Power five, group of five, conference championships, uh, national championships, CFPs, Heisman Trophy. We've done all the previews in the world you can do. It's week zero. We have real live FBS college football games this weekend. I couldn't be doing any better, Brett. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Before we get into it,
0: though, don't forget to follow the Lines US on Twitter at the Lines US. I'm at Road to CFB. Kelly, your work can be found at K Ford Ratings. We'll be here every week breaking down college football slates, individual weeknight games. We are now in 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 season mode. We're not doing preview season anymore this is real life football we get to talk week zero day i'm super excited i've already poured some fall beers i'm very <laughs> excited for those as well clear your calendars guys i'm just i'm so excited to be talking real life football games so let's not delay let let's talk the first one the marquee matchup i think of this weekend depending on uh how you look at it we have navy versus notre dame notre dame a 20 and a half point favorite at the time of recording here uh with an over under of 50 and a half They're playing this game in Dublin, Ireland, 2.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC and Peacock. The last time they played this game in Ireland was 2012, the Notre Dame championship year. It's supposed to be played there again in 2020, but COVID stopped that, so they're playing it this year. Now, do know, in the forecast, it's early, so this might change, so keep an eye on it. I don't know if this is going to change a whole lot, though. It's expected to rain Saturday. I don't think wind's really going to be an issue. I don't know if it's going to be downpours, uh, but definitely keep an eye on that weather report uh, as we get closer to Saturday. Right off the bat, I bet over 15.5 total points for this. Uh, numbers say that I should hit on Notre Dame here. I've already missed the best number, but my numbers still say Notre Dame minus 27.5. I am i haven't hit that for some reason yet. I'm a little tepid, I guess, to do so, um, and I'll get into that here in a moment. The reason I bet the over, though, I think this is a prime over-candidate game because neither team can really rep out what the other one does not practice. They just, uh, you know, Navy doesn't have a Sam Hartman type arm. And of course, Notre Dame can't match that wing team. And I know they've had all offseason two and they play Navy every single year, but you saw it last year that Navy had a lot of matchup issues. Now, if you're looking at last year, the midshipmen were able to run for 255 yards on the ground. And then Notre Dame on the other end threw for 269 yards with Drew Pine, who I maintain is not that great a quarterback. Uh, Dana Fofana, the the tailback, the straight back for Navy, had 133 yards, 8.9 a carry, even though his offensive line was seriously, seriously outmatched by Notre Dame's defensive line. It's just because that certain type of offense that they run. But there is a new-ish system coming in here. Kennesaw State offensive coordinator Grant, Grant Chestnut, pardon me, is introducing a more modern spread option so we can expect less under center wing team or shotguns, similar concepts, maybe a little bit more passing. But we need to talk about some injuries here for Navy. They are in trouble to quarterback position. Ty Lavatai, he suffered a season-ending injury last year. He's working his way back in this year, but he's not the certified starter. Well, the, the headlines say he's fighting for a spot back. You look at uh, Tedros Gleaton. He's the projected starter, but he's academically ineligible. He's actually not even listed on the two deep as of last Friday. So we're getting some sort of combination of Blake Horvath and uh Lavatai. They're listed or on that depth chart. Uh, Horvath has no game action yet. He had 57 career touchdowns in high school, by the way, 49 of which came on the ground. So he is a rushing focus quarterback. That's no surprise at Navy in uh, one more injury note. Uh, receiver Nathan Kent is also out with a knee injury. So, a lot of information there, a lot going on. Kelly, what do your numbers say about this game?
1: Yeah, Brett. The first game of the 2023 FBS college football season. Let's go, dude. You said it's the marquee game. My numbers would agree. Um, I do this game rating, so scale of 0 to 100, how excited should we be about a game? The Week 0 slate, as you can imagine, not registering uh, super high on that rating, but this Notre Dame-Navy game does come out on top of all the games that we are looking at here in Week 0. I have Notre Dame in this one by 22, so slightly more than Vegas, but not quite as much as you. Uh, Notre Dame power-rated number 12 nationally for me coming into this preseason with my updated finalized numbers. A top 15 defense and a top 30 offense. Navy is power-rated number 94 with the number 75 defensive unit and the number 115 offensive unit. So I have this as a really big mismatch when Navy is on the field against that Notre Dame defense. To the point, Brett, that I wouldn't be surprised if the Irish defense registered a score, whether that be a safety or defensive touchdown off of a a fumble return or or a pick six. I think this defense is really going to wreak some havoc uh, this week in Ireland for Notre Dame. So 94% win expectancy. I really don't see any issues here for Notre Dame. The Irish should roll in this game.
0: Yeah, something interesting, though, about this Navy roster is that they returned 17 starters. That's pretty unheard of when you talk about returning production. For service academies, they usually rotate upperclassmen uh, real hard. But this was a really inexperienced team in 21. A lot of it returned in 22, and now most of it's returning again here in 2023. Uh, I do want to talk about a little bit of trends. I'm not a huge trends buyer. They are, they're typically meaningless, and you know when used out of context, pretty rough, but Navy has been really bad in these season openers. They're 0 and 3 outright in their last 3 with losses to Marshall, BYU, and oh yeah, last year's Delaware team that took I think most of us by surprise. They're also 1 and 4 against the spread in their last 5 openers. I don't know if it's a coming out flat thing, I don't know if it's a coming out with challenging opponents thing. They're certainly challenging themselves this year with Notre Dame. Uh, if you look back last year, Notre Dame scored all 35 points in the first half. They led for 35-13 before uh, scoring 0 in the second half and letting Navy back into that to a point where, boy, I actually thought Navy might have won that game if you watched it. So, I bet Notre Dame minus 10.5 in the first half. You can still get that number at FanDuel Sportsbook as a time of recording here on Monday night. I think Notre Dame's able to get off to a fast start. They surely can throw the football on Navy. Um, and I think even with this new... Ish system that they're watching the the new option that they're going to be seeing across the way Like you said, I don't think Navy's gonna or uh, Notre Dame. Pardon me is really gonna have that much of an issue If you do want to look at Navy though and you're a little bit more bullish on them than perhaps we are I would champion maybe betting over 14 and a half team points I'm not on that myself, but I also don't hate it again Notre Dame cannot replicate what they're seeing on the field in practice So it's gonna be all new to them and there's an opportunity for Navy to be able to score there Although those injuries at quarterback do keep that in mind before you pull the trigger. And just one last note that I have on this Navy Navy's defensive line ranked number one in the conference this year, per Phil Phil steel and Athlon sports, but their defensive secondary is expected to be pretty bad. Not a whole lot of talent back there. So if you look at Sam Hartman's maybe passing yards when that drops later on in the week, I don't mind playing over that at all. I think he's going to come out there, even with the new system, not Dave Clausen's slow mesh. He's coming out here, being able to throw the ball on them. Navy finished 131st in pass EPA last year. Uh, that was last. So we now have 133 teams, but last year that was dead last. So keep in mind that Notre Dame will be able to come out in this game early, be able to throw the ball around the yard a little bit. And that's why I'm looking at that 10 and a half first half for Notre Dame. Any thoughts on that? Any objections?
1: Now, nah, Brett, I mean, that's the difference, right, between what you're doing in the in the, the sports wagering gambling space and what I'm doing with just the numbers based and trying to analyze the teams from that regard. You're talking about first half over under, talking about team totals, all these different things. My numbers are out there. They're, they're on the website, K4Ratings.com. People can take a look at them. You can do with that information what you will. But as we talked about, um, all those all those things you're diving into there, I, I stay away from giving the day job. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't hear anything that you said that I was like, no, nah, that's not right, or I don't think so. So a lot of good information there. Uh, folks will take it for what it's for. Uh, at the end of the day, for me, it's a 94% win expectancy for Notre Dame, and I expect they're going to get the job done. Beautiful. Let's move on to the next one.
0: We have the UTEP Miners, Jacksonville State Gamecocks. UTEP is a one-point favorite. You can find pickems. It's been all over the place this offseason. And you can also find the uh, game total at 54 points. This game kicks off 5.30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. They're playing this one. I'm going to try to fold some of this in. I, I'm a big college football traveler. I've been to 108 different FBS stadiums, so I really enjoy talking about these things. They're playing in JSU Stadium. It sees about 24,000 people, but they're planning to expand it to over 30,000 soon because they just went up into the FBS this is Jacksonville State's first FBS game. Kind of excited to see how they fare. Like I said, you can find this as a pick em. You can perhaps maybe uh, find Jacksonville State favored at some point. Uh, it's kind of moved all over the place. I went with UTEP's alternate line of 13.5 points. You can get it at 4-1 to one at FanDuel. Um, I, I really think that this is an example of an established FBS team that has a lot of size and talent. Against one that's moving up. And like we've talked about in previous episodes. We can't expect all these teams to just be James Madison. And come in and light the world on fire in their first year. Uh, If you're looking at some of the line movement. The over has taken money in the market since Monday. It moved up from 52 to 54 in just a matter of a few hours here. Uh, And I would look for that one to continue. Unless this is some sort of head fake where they're looking to go under. But I want to talk about this offensive line. Actual on the field matchups. UTEP. Averages 310 pounds along that offensive line. They're massive. They're more the size of a Power Five team. Uh, it's a very, very good unit. They're going up against a Jacksonville State defensive line that averages 273 pounds, and that doesn't include the fact that they are starting a five foot ten, 255 pound. It's called Bandit. It's kind of a stand up, maybe hybrid linebacker, safety, whatever you're looking at it. But that's kind of the front that they're dealing with to go against all the beef of Utah, and that's why I'm taking this line and and taking it to the highest, uh, just under the highest alternate spread that I can get um, with 13 and a half. So keep that in mind. I I think that UTEP could really run away with this. If you're looking at Jacksonville State's depth chart, you have Zion Webb. He's listed as an or with Logan Smothers. That's a uh, a Nebraska transfer, a three-star kid from the 2020 class. I know Zion Webb had some issues with NCAA eligibility, but he was the primary starter last year. So to see that or, which came in, uh, late is interesting because Zion Webb, he's an athletic threat. His passing numbers weren't great, but he's still like the primary starting quarterback for Jacksonville State, and we see him with an or. So that gives me a little bit of shaking confidence on Jacksonville State and a little bit more confidence in taking alternate
1: lines with Utah. Yeah, man i've got this as a a conference game right out of the gate right like i love this i'm very excited about this game i have this game as a pick em, so same as vegas here uh with a very slight lean to the miners i assign a 51 percent win expectancy for utep in this game using my most updated numbers here that i just finalized uh this week i have this utep team power rated number 117 nationally with the offense projecting to be 106 and the defense projecting to be 114. so you know sub 100 in basically every category that we're looking at here I'm projecting 5.2 regular season wins for the minors with a 43% chance to go bowling. There are four more games after this one, which I said is a pick them on the schedule with a projected spread of a field goal or less. So I know it's only week zero, but a win this week against Jacksonville state could at the end of the year, end up proving to go a long way towards bowl eligibility for this team, a team that reached five regular season wins last year. So it's too early to be talking about bowling, I know, but with so many close games for UTEP on the schedule this year, this is one that they're really going to want to get, I think, the, uh, with a chance to go bowling uh, after not reaching that threshold last year. As for Jacksonville State, they don't need to worry about going bowling. As you mentioned, they are transitioning from the FCS. And while James Madison, you talked about them too, they give us a little bit of a blueprint from a data standpoint last year. And they certainly overachieved expectations. They did much better than my numbers were suggesting. So I've learned from that. But this Jacksonville State team is still going to be difficult to project, more difficult to project than most probably because of this transition from the FCS. Currently, I have this team power at number 123 with a number 93 offense. So that's the best unit here of, of any of the four in this game. But the 132nd defense, that's second to worst in the entire FBS ahead of only Louisiana Tech by my numbers. This should be a very competitive game. And I, like you said, I'm excited to see Jacksonville State and what they're going to be able to bring to the table here at the FBS level. I'm going to take UTEP in this game by the slightest of margins. Like I said, 51% win expectancy, so I'm leaning UTEP even though they have to go on the road. But I am excited for this game. This, I would say this is this is a sicko's game, but given some of the other games we have on the slate here, I can't. I don't want to say that for every game, so I'm going to hold on that. This actually is not for me a sicko's game uh, because how close it's projected to be, and and because of the excitement of Jacksonville State making that transition to the FBS.
0: Yeah, when it comes to my numbers, my my numbers are in step with you. They're in step with the market that I favor UTEP very slightly. The reason I'm going with this maxed out, quote unquote, alt line with them is because I really think that on the field, they match up very, very well against Jacksonville State. Again, UTEP has a pretty good defensive line too, athletic, that I think may be able to keep Zion Webb or whoever's running out there at quarterback in check. But, you know, I'm kind of taking the advantage of the unknown with Jacksonville State. Like you said, they're a tough team to project in the numbers because they're brand new to the F- FBS. You know, how does that translate? What, are the, what do they got going on? So I'm hoping that maybe we can get UTEP to take advantage of that, uh, how you have it. 132nd ranked uh, defense and see if maybe they can't score some points in the run game, control the clock and get out of here. with they, uh, you know, 27-10 kind of win somewhere in there or it may not be very high scoring but that UTEP's in control of the game the whole time. So I- I'm... Disagreeing with my numbers, I'm disagreeing a little bit with the market, and it sounds like I'm disagreeing a little bit with your numbers. I think I'm a bit higher on UTEP than most, though. When you talked about Sicko's games, this might be the one that you're referring to. We're moving to the main event. It's on 7 o'clock p.m. ESPN, prime time, UMass at New Mexico State. New Mexico state is a recent seven and a half point favorite with an over under of 45. They're playing this game at Aggie Memorial stadium. One of the more interesting FBS stadiums. And it really fits kind of the Las Cruces area. It's, it's a very, it's, it's a cool place. If you get a chance to, it, I would definitely recommend uh, this game. Follows up Mercer versus North Alabama out of the FCS. That's also three thirty PM on ESPN. Now, keep in mind the weather here. We're dealing with a gigantic heat wave over the majority of the central country. It's going to be in the upper 90s when this game is played, tapering off because it's later, but just know that kickoff, it's going to be mid to upper 90s. That is something UMass is not used to. I don't know how many households even require air conditioning in the greater Boston area, uh, but they're not used to these mid-level 90s. It's a 2,300-mile trek for UMass, and they're not exactly flying into an easy and out of major airport and Travel destination, so keep in mind heavy travel and heat's going to be an issue. And Las Cruces is also a very weird place to play. But uh, UMass in my power ratings, which are now finalized for the preseason, they're my lowest rated team by a field goal. It is not particularly close, uh, according to what I have in front of me. Last year, they scored 13 or fewer points nine times, but they do add eight power five transfers. So you know, maybe stock up for these guys in the long term. Uh, if you look at the uh, home field advantage, I usually default to Sagarin's ratings because he changed it throughout the season based on trends. Right now, he's giving me 2.2 points, so I make New Mexico State a 9.3 favorite, 9.5 points there. If you're looking at numbers between 7.5 and 9.5, they're pretty dead in in the favorite uh, category there. So I don't see a lot of value in betting this at the moment, especially since it is moving away from New Mexico State. If you're looking to bet the Aggies, I would wait for that to get to a square 7 or maybe even six and a half if it will come in there. You also look at the, uh, the market favoring the over, but it is bumping up against a key 45. That's the third most frequent total over the last five seasons. I'm very excited for the return of Diego Pavia, who ended last year on an absolute tear. He scored 13 total touchdowns in under three games. I say under because he had only 16 total uh, opportunities against Valparaiso, a game that probably should have never happened, but it got them to a bowl game. Uh, the athleticism, I think, is enough uh, to break the aggressive defense for Don Brown over on UMass. I think New Mexico State would be able to move the football in them. I don't see much of an issue there. Uh, this is another game that I'm considering taking an alt line on minus uh, 13 and a half, You can get it plus 146 or even 20 and a half at plus 290. I love targeting these early season games where bad teams play extremely bad teams because that doesn't necessarily equate a close game in my mind. I haven't bet it yet, but it is something I am considering. Because I don't think UMass has a floor in how terrible this team might actually be.
1: I think my favorite thing from all of that Brett might have been the comment about air conditioning in Boston homes. Uh, if I had to guess I think they've got plenty of AC up in Boston. I've never lived there so I can't say for certain but I think it gets pretty hot in the summer. Certainly not going to be the level of heat they're experiencing at New Mexico State this weekend. That's for sure. That's interesting too that Sagarin changes his home field advantage throughout the year kind of adjusting to it. I didn't know that before. I think that's that, that's really interesting and something uh, to consider moving forward um, for those of us who make power ratings and have to, of course, account for home field advantage. So you said it, and and I know I talked about it last game. This is a true Sickos game to start the season. This is awesome. I'm excited. It's actually not my biggest Sicko uh, game of the slate, though, Brett. So let's let's come back to that one later. But this is a big Sicko game for me. I have New Mexico State favored by nine, so slightly more than Vegas right there, what you were talking about, too. New Mexico State, they're my number 126 team overall, number 112 on offense, number 121 on defense. On the other side, UMass is also my number 133 team, dead last in FBS right now. You say they're about a field goal worse than your number 132. They're about two points worse for me on a neutral field than FIU, who is my number 132 team at this stage of the preseason, uh, UMass defense is number 116 and the offense is number 130. Make no mistake about it, these are not good football teams. But after eight and a half months without college football, I will 100% be watching this one. You said it's prime time, main event, ESPN. I will be watching it and I give the Aggies a 74% chance to win this game. Uh, if this game wasn't week zero, I wouldn't be watching, but it is and it's what's on. And I've got five TVs to get it all locked and loaded. It'll be on one of them. I don't know which one yet, but it'll be on one of them. I'm excited. It's college football. Beggars can't be choosers. Let's get it. Let's go.
0: All right. I, yeah, I, the numbers do not tell me to bet New Mexico State minus 14 or, or minus 21, but that's a, a personal preference of mine that I enjoy doing, especially early in the year before we really get a grasp on how bad some of these teams might be. It may backfire. I may not even bet it. I'll keep people updated in our Discord server if they would care to join that. See my Twitter for a link. Now, I want to talk about an actually, like, genuinely good game. that I'm that I'm, I'm excited for all of these, but, like, I'm really excited for this one. We have Ohio at San Diego State. San Diego State is a recent two-and-a-half-point favorite, and we'll get into why that may be soon, with an over-under of 49. Game kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern on FS1 from Snapdragon Stadium. So new that you can't even find it on the Google Maps overhead. They I think they still have Qualcomm standing there, which is certainly not... Still on that plot of land anymore. Quick shout out, by the way, to the Ohio Bobcats equipment team that loaded up a truck on Monday to drive the 2300 mile trek to San Diego. That is a true cross country road trip. I'm actually kind of excited for them. Even though you're hauling a a massive tractor trailer, it's got to be pretty cool to see the entire country in one fell swoop like that. Uh, But you can't ignore the disadvantage that Ohio's at for that super long travel. Uh, You know, San Diego destination city. I get it. But that's still a very, very long trip for them. Fortunately, the kick is at a reasonable time, so we're not dealing with any internal clock stuff. That is something I look for, particularly when teams in the West go East and they may play at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Uh, we have seen that. The reason this game is at 2.5 and, and not the three and a half, 4.5 four that has been at, all the way, I think, up to 5, Curtis Rourke, prolific quarterback for Ohio, he will play. That news just broke on Monday. He tore his ACL in late November, uh, but he will play in this game. That tells me that he is close to or at 100%. And hey, I'll take a 90% Curtis Rourke over a lot of quarterbacks in the country, including the one on San Diego State's sideline. I actually bet Ohio plus four in July. I was following some of the tea leaves that Rourke may be good to go. There's a lot of optimism in his recovery. Compare that to the Cam Rising stuff that's been coming out where they have not been optimistic all offseason long. So I did bet Ohio plus four. Pretty happy about that. That number is not coming back. Sorry, that is not actionable information at this point. Again, if you're in a Discord server, you could have gotten that number back in July when I originally bet it. Uh, you know, from the San Diego State side, can this new offensive coordinator, Ryan Lindley, hes actually their leading passer uh, in program history. He's back as the offensive coordinator. Can he get things going the right direction? Shouldn't be that hard to get to. They played the eighth slowest pace to play last year, and they've been 100th or worse in seconds per play every year since at least 2015. That's when the statistics stopped going back that I could find. They're also 102nd and go rate in neutral situations on fourth down, just 18.4%. I think fixing those two things could really go a long way because San Diego State, pretty talented team. They're, it's not hard to get talent there. Their quarterback, I think, is decent, and that I think they can fix the offense if they were to just pick up some of these, you know, a little bit more aggressive, a little bit quicker. But I, I trust uh, Ohio's offensive line a lot more than San Diego State's defensive line in this game as well. So I feel pretty good about Ohio at this
1: juncture my ohio bobcats brett of course uh doing my graduate school in athens ohio i always have an eye on the bobcats and how they're doing you said it this is a legitimately good game in week zero that i'm excited about as well um this is an intriguing game for ohio and they're coming off a season in which they were my number four biggest overachievers in the fbs winning 3.8 regular season games more than i expected last year i mean they overachieved last year Getting work back at quarterback here for, for start of week zero is huge. Um, I'm excited about this team. My numbers are pretty close to Vegas once again in this one. I have San Diego State by four points in this one. So I know that's what you got the line at um, in, in the summer. That's what my numbers make it right now. Um, these teams match up pretty well, right, if you look at it. So I got San Diego State power rated number 82, while Ohio is power rated number 89. So not a whole lot separating them two there. I have San Diego State's defense at 52, Ohio's offense at 71. Ohio's defense at 117, San Diego State's offense at 110. So again, these these matchups are very close. San Diego State has the slight edge in both of them, plus then the home field advantage. We talked about what Sagarin's doing earlier. That's how I arrive at a 61% win expectancy for the Aztecs in this game. But I would not be surprised at all if Ohio finds a way to not just be competitive and, and be there at the end, but to actually end up winning this game. San Diego State. If we if, if we look ahead, neither one is in a look ahead. They both got an FCS opponent in week two. But San Diego State, um, to me, I think they really need to get this game if they're going to achieve some of the things that they want. If they're going to be a contender in the, in the MAC or excuse me, the Mountain West uh, Conference this year. Ohio, on the other hand, they're a favorite in the East. This is a non conference game. I'm, I'm not sure it has the same meaning to them. So I think San Diego State feels like they need this one more. And again this is like talking playoffs in the NFL and week two or whatever. Like I'm, I'm not trying to put a ton of pressure in a week zero game, but you only get 12. Like there's only 12 games. This one counts as much as any of the others. That's why I, I don't want to overemphasize, but I do want to stress the importance of some of these games and what they mean to some of these teams in terms of trying to achieve what I think these teams have as goals for themselves by the end of the year.
0: I think the market showed its hand in terms of Curtis Rourke and, and what he is to a point spread. Is telling me two, two and a half points. Now you talked about your numbers at this point, you know, rating them where they do with the, with Ohio and San Diego state. Did they change at all in reaction to the Curtis Rourke news, or is that something you have to manually adjust?
1: Yeah, I was counting Rourke in the whole time from the very beginning. I had him in it's if he's out, I would have made an adjustment and we would have seen Uh a a further, a further differentiation. So I actually have it as four, with the rorton news um so i do my i do my injuries and and player availabilities a little bit different maybe than than some people out there i do it in a way that is most convenient for me and that takes the least amount of time while still capturing all of the relevant pieces and again some pieces aren't quite as relevant or important as others a quarterback is is very relevant and so that's one that you're always going to keep an eye on but i had assumed he would be in and i'm assuming you know full full production of of from what we've seen in the past that's probably not actually the case. Maybe it is. Maybe he is fully recovered, and, and he's, and he's going to be ready to go and all that. Anytime you're coming off of an injury, a significant injury, though, and it's your first time back, I think we can expect maybe a little bit of rust or something like that. I'm expecting the full Rourke that we've seen before. Um, his brother was actually the quarterback when I was there for one of my years in grad school, so very familiar, familiar with that family and, and what they got going on as I worked in the athletic department during my time in Athens. So um, Yeah, I, I have that accounted for. It's going to be a good game, though. I'm excited about this one.
0: I think Nathan works up in the CFL
1: right now. I think he is too.
0: Good for him. What a, what a good family. So if you're yep. going off of Kelly's numbers, there is value right now, especially since you got under that three key figure. But if I'm looking to back San Diego state on spread here, I'm not betting it right now. I'm waiting until that number gets as low as possible. Cause if you can get the two, it's not a key figure, but it does help your case a little bit. So uh, let's move on to the next game. We have Hawaii. At Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, a 17-point favorite at time of recording with an over-under 55 and half points. This game kicks at 7.30 p.m. on SEC Network from a half-destroyed First Bank Stadium. It is not Vanderbilt Stadium anymore. Uh, they're currently rebuilding their end zones. It's going to look great, but in the meantime, uh, they don't have end zones. So uh, just keep that in mind when you turn on the uh, broadcast and be surprised. I, I, this one I struggle with a lot. My numbers say Hawaii is extremely undervalued. They were, I think, 20 and a half at one point. That's been bet all the way down. I still only have Vanderbilt by 14 points. But I just can't fathom how Hawaii slows down anything that Vanderbilt does, especially uh, when they're on the road here instead of at home. Last year, they allowed 63 points, uh, 163 rushing yards, and two touchdowns came from Mike Wright, who's uh, not on the team anymore. He's with Mississippi State. But Vanderbilt as a whole rushed for 404 as a team. Four players scored on the ground. I mean, the Commodores, they're still an SEC team. They're a very low-level SEC team, but they're still an SEC team with SEC size and, uh, and borderline SEC talent. That's far, in away more than what Hawaii has on their roster. If you're looking at some things, if you're if you're in uh, you know siding with me here, Vanderbilt over 36 and a half team points. I'm not thrilled about that number. Would love to see it under 36, uh, but I, again, like I said, I just don't see how they don't score here. Um, I don't hate looking at the higher alt lines for better odds as well. Although the market uh, is it's on Vanderbilt, so we're moving it in the wrong direction. You can find 16 and a half in some spots. Again, I would really, really, really recommend patience with this. I don't love. That my numbers don't agree with the spread, and I don't love that the market is correcting in that way. Um, but what do you have the same trepidation as me here, or or are you buying the numbers in front of you?
1: Yeah, this this time my numbers do like the underdog. I have Vanderbilt favor by only fifteen. You said it was fourteen. I'm, it used to be all the way up at twenty. You said. I mean, wow. Yeah, that's that's a lot. I, I like the I like the Commodores by about fifteen the offense should be somewhere around FBS average for me coming into this year. I have them about number 64 in FBS. It's the defense that's concerning. I mean, this defense for me ranks number 106 nationally. Um, and when you combine then what should be an average offense with a, with a sub 100 defense, we're getting a overall power rating of about number 76 in the country for Vanderbilt, the rainbow warriors, on the other hand, uh, number 124 in the nation, number 116 on offense, number 118 on defense, this equates to the second worst team in the Mountain West. They're ahead of only New Mexico by my numbers. But because Hawaii is one of two teams, along with New Mexico State, uh, to play 13 regular season games this year, there's still a 23% chance that they reach six wins. Um, four wins is the most likely outcome, single outcome for me for Hawaii this year, currently making hawaii favorites in three games uh university of albany new mexico state and at new mexico are the only three so um this one is the second largest projected underdog that i have for hawaii all year the game at oregon of course in week three is much larger about 33 points by my numbers right now so to summarize it I have the Commodores projecting as the worst team in the SEC, like you said, Brett, uh, by a significant margin. I mean, it's about nine and a half points between Vanderbilt at 14 and the number 13 team and the power ratings from the SEC. But they're still the significantly better team in this one. I have an 86% win expectancy for Vanderbilt, and I expect them to get the job done here um, at home.
0: So for looking
1: at the the issues with Vanderbilt, of course, you point out the 106th
0: ranked defense per your numbers. They're going up against a quarterback uh, on why Braden Shager, I believe is, is how you pronounce it, who is just absolutely dreadful. Uh, 5.8 yards per attempt in his career, a 56.4 completion rate, 15 touchdowns, 15 picks. Uh, we're not dealing with a quarterback that I don't believe is capable of taking advantage of that 106 ranked defense. But if you're looking at FBS average offense, like Vanderbilt at 64, and then going against the 118th defense, this is why I have an issue backing Hawaii. I, I cannot in good conscience click on Hawaii or even believe that the numbers in front of me was saying 14 for Vanderbilt is is really correct. I think, I think it's a big risk taking a team that doesn't have the offensive firepower to take advantage of a bad Vanderbilt defense and surely doesn't have the defense of their own to slow them down. Maybe I'm living too much in the past. Tell me if I am, but... I don't see how this is vastly different than
1: last year's result. Well, and you also have to consider too. And I don't know, last year didn't necessarily matter for Vanderbilt. They had to fly all the way across the country, plus then skip over the the Pacific Ocean. Hawaii's doing it this year, and they're you, you know you get in in plenty of time. You get adjusted and all that stuff. Like it's not like they're gonna be flying in the day of the game, but that's a long way to go for a team to go play in the S- in the SEC. But Also, you know, Hawaii, they're thinking back to last year. They're thinking, hey, we have a chance to go into an SEC stadium and and get an SEC team. So I think there are some levels of motivation for Hawaii that they can probably use to their advantage. Are they going to be able to to use that to get a win? Probably not. Are they going to be able to use that, though, to keep it within the spread? That's where, you know, it could be a maybe. Despite the large discrepancy we mentioned between the Vanderbilt offense and the Hawaii defense, there are these other things happening that the model doesn't – my model doesn't necessarily see – um and so for those reasons that's why i'm not like uh, yeah not a strong lean either way but that's why i think you know what you know 15 17 and a half whatever like that's reasonable it could be around there for these other reasons because yeah on paper vanderbilt's a much better team and they have a lot of other factors too that you could point to and say this is another reason why they could be an even bigger favorite
0: and just for anybody that's wondering what the time differential there is they're playing at about 1 p.m local time in hawaii so internal body clock not a huge thing, but they are still traveling across six, you know, backwards six hours. So uh next game, San Jose State at USC. I'll be pretty brief about this one, the Trojans. Uh, 305 30 and a half point favorites, over under 64 and a half. Game kicks off at 8 p.m. on a network nobody can watch. Pac-12 network. Uh like I said, I don't have much say that about this. My numbers of USC minus 29 and a half. I'm not laying that many points in a game. Even <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not very rarely. Um, I think there's excitement on the over, but I don't know. USC's defense, I think, is going to improve this year. Not sure Caleb Williams needs to play a full four or even a full three quarters, right? I'm not a huge fan of betting game totals, overs, and blowouts. Um, You know, you you have uh, Chevron Cordero is back for his, like, 15th year of college football. Uh, So San, San Jose State's offense could be exciting. Do note, though, that top receiver Justin Lockhart this dude's a beast. I did not practice last Saturday. I would keep an eye on that. It's tough finding updates on San Jose state football injuries, but I would scour the beat for that one. If you're considering taking any action in this, you know, I don't hate instead of taking the game over that you can look at individual over points, Uh, team total 16 and a half for San Jose state. I'm big on unders. I love betting unders. I think those are the, the sharper way to bet. Um, if you're getting good numbers, everyone wants to bet overs. It takes, it takes a gut to bet under, um, But my favorite way to explore these overs is with team totals. It's kind of an insurance policy against one team, just not showing up and and holding their end of the deal. And also you can take advantage of, you know, if you're still concerned about USC's defense, then go ahead and take San Jose State's offense in that game rather than taking the game as a whole. Uh, What do your numbers say about this one?
1: Yeah, I know you said you're you're a big unders guy, Brett. I think, And then you talked about... You talk about totals there too. I think season win totals is another one where a lot of times under is the play because so many people want to bet an over on a team. And it just, it's more exciting to bet the overs that's in games. That's in season, all that stuff. And so books know that. uh, And and I think it's just human nature to want to see points, to want to see wins and all those things. So I think generally speaking, if you are on the fence on something under probably long-term consistently, is the better play. Um, if you're into that thing, that's just kind of an observation that I've made since I've been tracking this sort of information because it does help inform my numbers at various points throughout the process. So just a anecdotal note there from someone who doesn't bet. I'm sure people don't care about that. So uh, for, for my numbers, though, in this game, um, you mentioned it. It's a bummer this game's on the Pac-12 network. Uh, it really is. The only good thing about the Pac-12 looking like it's going to dissolve here sooner than later is that we can finally be rid of the Pac-12 network. Like, that's the only positive I can find about all the bad things going on with the Pac-12 in today's August 21st, 2023 college football. But I'm with you. Let's not overthink this game. I have USC as the number eight power-rated team in the nation. The offense is projecting number two behind only Ohio State. And while I do have concerns about this defense, I've talked about this with you before, Brad, on our previews, it's currently ranked in the mid-50s. It's not going to be a problem this week. I like the Trojans by 27 points at home against the Spartans here. San Jose State, for me, number 93 team in the preseason power ratings, number 91 offense, number 93 defense, very balanced team in terms of, you know, uh, efficiencies of the offense and the defense relative to each other. Um, It's the largest projected spread of any game this season for San Jose State. And I expect, you said Caleb Williams might not need to go all four. He might need to go all three. This game could be over by halftime, like in terms of actually putting the um, result of the game, the decision, of the game, the outcome to bed. Uh, So San Jose State, um, they host another Pac-12 team in in week two um, when Oregon State comes to town. Excuse me, in week one. It's their second game in week one when Oregon State comes to town. So that's perhaps the ones where the Spartans might steal a, a win. You know, it's unlikely, but perhaps I'm not seeing it in this one. I have USC with a 97% win expectancy, and like I said, could be over by halftime. Get used to that, Trojan fans. In the first half of the season, we're gonna be—I'm gonna be saying that uh, a handful of times. Let's just wait for the second half of the season for USC fans uh, before you guys really get going in the 2023 season. We have two more
0: games on the slate. And for those keeping track at home, you may be saying, "But wait, there's only one more FBS versus FBS matchup." We still have two more games on the slate. to Talk about. Let's talk about that final FBS matchup. That is. Florida international FIU at Louisiana tech. Louisiana tech is a 11 point favorite at time of recording with an over under 58 and a half. game kicks off at 9 PM on CBS sports network. That's This is the kind of game I live for. The CBS Sports Network, late kick. There may be, I don't know, 6,000 people in attendance. They're playing this one at Joe Elliott Stadium in Ruston. If I pronounce that wrong, I'm very sorry. I actually like the stadium a lot. It's one that I have visited. Uh, Ruston's interesting, but the, the stadium itself is very nice. Really good thing this game's being played at 9 p.m. Uh, 105 is the forecast high in Ruston, Louisiana that day. We are still going to be talking about in the high 90s. Maybe even still to heat index of 100 when we're talking about 8 p.m. local uh, for this game. So keep that in the back of your head. We will revisit it in a minute. Louisiana Tech's backfield is pretty banged up. They're starting running back Marquise Crosby. He will not play. He's injured. Backup Tyree Shelton, who would, I'm sure, shoulder most of the load. He is also questionable. Uh, Louisiana Tech took most of the money in this one through the preseason. Uh, It did move through 10 points, which is slightly notable. Um, It even moved uh, Monday when we're recording from 10 to 11 points. Now, Louisiana Tech likes to run a super up-tempo offense from Sonny Cumbie, air raid system. So if you're talking about the the temperature still being the mid to high 90s during the game, this could be an issue with conditioning. And FIU comes from the Miami area, and they're used to heat and humidity and stuff like that. I'm not saying Louisiana Tech's not. They certainly are. But when you get to a certain threshold – Uh, The human body literally cannot handle that kind of stuff, especially at the up-tempo pace that Louisiana Tech wants to play. So something to just keep in mind, maybe, is a live second-half spread if we're dealing with FIU, if it looks like Louisiana Tech's kind of sucking some wind. But the Bulldogs do add quarterback Hank Bachmeyer, who I maintain is pretty decent at Boise, uh, kind of transferred out because his coach left, not because he was terrible. Um, He does have his moments, though. But he does now play down to uh, Conference USA and has a pretty good wide receiver room. Louisiana Tech's defense is projected to be, well, awful. But they do have a pretty solid secondary, I believe. Um, and if you're looking at the totals, considering the total 58 and a half sits under key number 59, which is the fourth most frequent total in the last five years. But it is above the eighth most, or uh, 58, which is the eighth most. So if you can look to see if you can hit that 58 or lower, I don't think the under is going to be a, a, a really exciting bet in this. So I don't think it's going to move. But I would probably buy the over at that point in the game. What do your numbers say about this just dynamic matchup?
1: Yeah, Brad, another Conference USA game to wrap up FBS play in Week Zero on CBS Sports Network. This is my number one sicko game of the week. Oh, we've, got a, uh, yeah, we've got a we've got a K Ford uh, projected game rating here of a twenty five, which is oh, slightly no. <laughs> worse, slightly worse than the twenty six of UMass New Mexico State that we talked about earlier. So um, I have Louisiana Tech as the number three team in Conference USA with a thirty one percent chance to reach the Conference Championship game. And they get to ease into the season with a home game here against FIU. Um, Louisiana Tech, power rated for me, number 101. The offense is projecting as number 70 nationally. That's number two in the conference behind only Western. Uh, the defense, on the other hand, I think I mentioned it earlier, currently projecting absolute dead last in FBS, 133 out of 133. Um, so while Western and Liberty are the two overwhelming favorites in the conference by my numbers at this point, if the defense can just not be terrible, if the defense can be better than you know, 100 nationally nationally, This team could challenge for a spot in the conference championship game. I I do believe that. Um, FIU, on the other hand, power rated number 132, uh, second worst in the FBS, ahead of only UMass. Offense is number 117. Defense is a dreadful 131, ahead of only Jacksonville State and Louisiana Tech. Um, We're talking about a lot of these teams at the bottom here in Week Zero. That's why we've got this sicko theme going on. Um, It is a sicko game. I'm excited about it, though. College football is here. We're back. I like Louisiana Tech by 14 and a half. So I can understand why that line's moving and why it's crossed over some, some numbers because I like Tech by 14 and a half. I mean, that's, you're at 11, which is what you said it is right now. Like that, that's a significant, you know. That, I think there's significant value in that just from a from the important number standpoint and what you're crossing and all of that. If you were able to get it when it was down at 10 even, I mean, that's even better. Um, but anyway, 14.5, that equates to an 85% win expectancy for Louisiana Tech. I expect them to roll here in week one before – or in week zero in their first game before heading to SMU in a tough one next week.
0: Completely anecdotal, no data driven, but how Louisiana Tech would it be to lose this game? They lost it in double overtime last year. They lost to Rice in overtime. They lost Charlotte. Is let, this, let,
1: let. go for it.
0: it it's you have to win the game if you're going to get to the conference USA championship you have to win this game as as remedial as it may sound like you drop this opening week zero game because it's hot and you're sucking win they, and they run you down all of a sudden you're starting 0-1 in conference and boy that 31% sure isn't going to hold at 31% if they drop this game
1: no, without a doubt. And to be clear, Western Kentucky's got a 73% chance to make the conference championship. Liberty's got a 53% chance. So they are the significant favorites. I'm saying if the defense can be better than I'm projecting, which they could be, because there's a lot of unknowns with this defense here and things that I'm trying to figure out. And you are projected dead last. They can't be worse than I'm projecting. Can you just can you be significantly better if so, you'll put yourself in the mix there um because I do have you get we get western at home I'm making that about a three and a half point game right now, and you get liberty that's on the road making that about five points so you're not like you're not way behind these teams from a power rating standpoint if the defense can be much better than I'm expecting, you really close that gap you close it quickly if disaster strikes and they find a way to lose this game, then yeah, all of a sudden you go from a seventy eight percent chance to make a bowl to probably closer to 50-50 at that point because now your power rating is going to take a hit and you've just lost the game on your schedule that if you're going to just go by projected spreads, chalk them up to wins. There's only one game on the entire schedule where I have a bigger projected spread that Louisiana Tech is a favorite. And that's in week two, their third game of the year, Northwestern State and FCS team comes to Louisiana Tech. This is the game that that you need to get if you're Louisiana Tech, if you're serious about you know competing in the conference. And if you don't, now we're looking at, are you good, are you serious about a bowl is where we are because this team won three games last year I'm fully expecting them to bounce back and be one of the biggest kind of um one of the biggest turnarounds in terms of in terms of win loss um improvement from year over year actually that uh let me look really quickly at that because i I do post that projected to win more in 2023 i didn't even look at it until right now louisiana tech this is the power of the website dude it's all on there louisiana tech is the number two team of all the teams in fbs that i'm projecting to see the largest win in increase from last year's regular season win total to this year's projected regular season win total. 3.6 more wins are projected this year than they experienced last year. Second only in the country to UCF's 3.7. So there you go, Louisiana Tech. I'm expecting a big bounce back. You lose this one, uh, that all goes away very quickly.
0: All right, let's wrap this up with an FCS game. This is something I want to do every week. Uh, It's kind of come to a head where everyone's doing their FCS numbers, but I think it's still a right market for the picking for those That are sharp. Uh, The FCS game I'm highlighting this week is the MIAC versus SWAC challenge that's being played in Atlanta, Georgia, between South Carolina State and Jackson State. There are no sportsbook odds on this yet. You probably won't find it until late Friday, early Saturday. But if you're quick and have the numbers in front of you or a little bit of insight from us here, you may be able to take advantage of this market, I believe. This game kicks off 7.30 p.m. on ABC, so another primetime game that I'm very excited for. A good showcase of these two teams. They've only played once prior. That was in 2021, South Carolina State, 131 to 10. These teams are completely different. The, nothing about those teams are the same now. My numbers like Jackson State by 15.5 points. But how accurate can these preseason numbers on the Tigers be? Like, do they have a grasp on this team post Dion? I mean. Jeez, they return one starter on offense and two on defense. Three total. Yeah, I, I don't think we have a concept of what we can power rate this team uh, based on pre-numbers, and yeah, I don't know. Um, so I'm a little tepid to do that. Um, you go to the other side, you have 13 re- uh, returning starters for South Carolina State. They're picked fourth in the MEAC um, they're my 98th rated FCS team. Jackson State is 30th still. So we're still expecting a high level team here uh, to be showcased. I would probably play anything under Jackson State minus 12 and a half or above South Carolina State at plus 17. Like I said, though, those odds probably won't be out till late, late in the week or maybe even Saturday morning.
1: Yeah, of course, I'm right in the middle of those, Brett. I've got uh, Jackson State favored by about 13 and a half in this one. And so you mentioned it. A lot of people seem to be getting into that FCS power rating space. I've hopped in there as well. And really, the main thing for me, Brett, was just quickly for for the listeners as we talk FCS every week now, just a primer – it's, my FCS model is not nearly as robust as my FBS model. I've been refining the FBS model for years, and I have a ton of data that I am always back testing and always, you know, evaluating, playing with the different weights of each input and, you know, what's the, what proves me most predictive. And I can, can go on and on, spreadsheet after spreadsheet, test after test to figure out, you know, how to improve the FBS. The FCS ratings are kind of a, a shell of that. They're very raw, very fundamental but i am now at a place where i'm able to make a differentiation between and i'm look look at my number 1 and number 128 F- fcs teams there's a difference now in my model when an fbs team plays south dakota state who's projecting as the number 1 fcs team and presbyterian who's projecting as my number 128 fcs team those two teams are about 62 points or so away from one another like it, these are not the same team they, they're very very different in previous years, I had treated an FBS team playing those two teams as essentially the same opponent. And it it was not necessarily that I was concerned about what is the game, like what's the uh, win expectancy in that game, but it's what did it do to the resume rankings too, because it's not going to ultimately affect it too much. You're only playing one game in most cases out of 12 against an FCS, if even that, but it's better to give the appropriate credit and differentiate within the FCS ranks For that FBS team in terms of, yes, you know, their projected spread in the game or whatever, but also the resume ranking credit that they're going to get. So I have a fundamental FCS model. It is not nearly as robust as FBS. That's the takeaway here. But using that, I am able to get Jacksonville or excuse me, Jackson State favored by 13 and a half points in this one. So I'm excited about our FCS segment every week, Uh, maybe talking about one of those games break out the, the FCS model here and, uh, and give you a quick spread. I won't go into all the details of it every time, but I wanted to this time since we hadn't really talked FCS yet.
0: Yeah, just for uh, just to build off what you said about treating all the FCS teams the same, and that does happen a lot on a, po- a lot of power ratings. But like, If you're playing South Dakota State, uh, they, for me, rank, rank in between Fresno State, Arizona, Air Force, and South Alabama. But you look at Presbyterian— and I have them ranked 45 points lower than UMass. So it's kind of good that we're treating them on a scale now instead of just, ah, they're minus 35, give or take, whatever, on the power ratings. Um, and I'm actually really excited to get into this FCS market. We're going to see how we can do on it. But, Kelly, that is a, a college football slate preview. That was week zero. We were able to talk college football games, and we, when we wake up Saturday morning, We will have college football to consume. I'm so excited for it. Everybody listening, I mentioned it a couple of times, but hop on over to our Discord. You can connect with over 4,000 sports betting fans and get live updates in our college football server. You can join a sharp and active community. We are in full swing now. It's active. People are talking about college football as the day is long. Don't forget to subscribe to Align's YouTube for weekly college football odds and betting videos all season long. We're going to be here uh, through December, through bowl season, and through the college football playoff. Subscribe to us on your podcasting app of choice, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever you're listening it to, and drop us a good review if you like the show. Five-star review is going to help us grow and reach new fans. Kelly, before we get out of here, though, please plug your numbers and where everybody can find them.
1: Yeah, for sure, Brett. I'm excited about this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can find me on Twitter at KFordRatings. I just updated the preseason numbers. They are now finalized. Updated the website, KFordRatings.com. It's got all sorts of things on there. Um, Basically, I'm I'm using that to to talk during these podcasts. So the things that I'm talking about on the podcast, the things that I'm referencing anytime I'm talking college football, most of it is stored on the website, and you can find all that for yourself on your own time, KFordRatings.com. So Week zero is here, man. Let's do it. Let's have a great year. Uh, Nothing like the first weekend of college football to get us going. Uh, It'll be over before we know it. So let's enjoy every single week. Thank
0: you, everyone, as always, for watching. I am Brett Gibbons. That is Kelly Ford. And we'll see you all next week.